0: Turn with me this morning to the book of James, please. In James, the fourth chapter, for the last few weeks, we have been on a subject concerning submission and authority. Now, uh, you even say the S word (laughs) and a lot of folk get nervous. But like we've already talked about, is it or is it not a Bible word? We should not have an aversion to a Bible word. That's true with anything. I mean, some people you say deliverance and they immediately think, I don't want to hear that. Deliverance is a Bible word. Uh, A lot of people, not us, but a whole lot of people hear the word prosperity. And they just are turned off. But prosper is a Bible word. Rich is a Bible word, right? And uh, how strange that Christians who claim to love God and hold the Bible in the highest regard don't want to hear Bible words. But let's purpose not to be that way. How many believe that the truth doesn't hurt you, won't put you in bondage, what will it do for you? It makes you free. That includes the truth about submission. And authority, right? And any other thing that the Bible has to say. So the challenge is to hear the word with open heart and fresh ears and not think you know what it means. Because I don't care how much revelation you've got from any passage of scripture, there's so much there that you've not yet seen, right? But you must see it and listen to it and see it as if you haven't seen it. So let's endeavor to do that. James 4 and verse 6. In fact, let's pray before we read this. Father, all of us are here today. Our eyes are on you and not each other. Our ears are to hear you. Give us a heart that understands. And give us revelation of your truth that makes free. Lord, we are asking you and believing you for answers to questions. Uh, That people have right here. Today. Now. And help. From anything that hinders and binds. And hinders your will and way in our life. We're believing you for it right now. Your word. The anointing in and upon your word. Destroys every yoke. Removes every burden. And we ask for it and believe for it today. And we say by your grace. We'll not just be hearers only. But we will be doers. Of the word. And we know as we do it. Practice it. Live it. We will be blessed because you're so faithful to watch over it and perform it in our lives. Jesus' name, amen. Say it out loud, I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer. doer Of the word of God. God. James 4, 6. Says he gives more grace. Wherefore he says, God resists the proud. Say that out loud. God resists. He does what? One translation says he opposes. To resist means to be against. To put pressure or motion against. Well, it's one thing if you got people against you. But if you got God opposing what you're doing, how's that going to (laughs) go? It ain't. (laughs) <laughs> right. <laughs> Keep reading. But. Here's the part where we want to get in. He gives. Giveth. Grace. Unto the humble. Grace is an underappreciated word. A lot of times you ask people. What is grace? They'll say unmerited favor. And they just kind of parrot it. And run right on. Grace. Is one of the biggest words in the Bible. Grace. Grace. When you say God gave you grace, you're saying so many things in one word. The grace of God includes the favor and the mercy of God. But it includes the idea of the ability of God, the strength of God, the wisdom of God, the help and support of God. That's why we say, you know, how are we going to make it? By the grace of God. And you don't say that with a sad tone. Well, just by his grace. That sounds like you might eat by. Friend, the grace of God is more than enough. So that's what Paul was saying. His grace is sufficient. You don't come up short when you're operating in the grace of God. You've got plenty to do it and then some. Is he or is he not more than enough? And His grace is. And you can't do anything the best way and the way it should be done without the grace of God. Amen. I mean, you can't comb your hair. You can't cook a meal. You can't drive your car to work the way it ought to be done without the grace of God. Somebody say, by His grace. By His grace. So, uh, who gets the grace? Not the proud. What do the proud get? Now isn't it something though that pride is something that is actually heralded in our society? Isn't it? You know? You know, I grew up poor. And, uh, you know, sometimes people say, well, you have to be poor, you know, to appreciate stuff. I don't believe it. (laughs) I've been there. (laughs) I don't buy it. I see no merit at all in being poor. None. And I've been poor. No. But uh he gives what? Grace. Read verse 6. He giveth what? Grace. More grace. And he does what? God resists the pride. I said our society heralds pride. People say, you know, I grew up around people say, well, we poor, but we're proud. And people say, well, all I got is my pride. Good. And we're proud of this, proud of that, yeah. proud to be this, proud, proud, proud. Yeah. You'd think we didn't even read the Bible. God, we read this Friday night, Proverbs 6, God hates Pride. Amen. Now people, you ought to see some of the looks I'm getting right now. <laughs> Brother Keith, I'm proud to be an American. <laughs> well, just throw this verse away then. I am thankful to be an American. Amen. I am honored to be an American. Amen. I praise God for being an American. Yes. Amen. But I ain't proud about it. Amen. I see some folk like that, some folk don't. Well, I'm proud of my kids, Brother Keith. I know it. You need to repent. <laughs> Be thankful for your children. Be blessed by it. Amen? Let me help you out here. Some people are struggling right now. They're like, I don't know what to, do, what to say. But Here's a word. Honor. Understanding the difference between pride and honor, and it's huge, will unfold volumes to you. God is a God of honor, but He hates pride. Are you with me now? You say, Boy, they did me proud. No, they honored me. Right? (laughs) Big difference. Now, why am I saying all this? Well, what did the text say? God resists the proud. Do you want to be opposed by God? No. What do you want? You want the grace. You want God's help. You want his favor on your life. You want his ability coming up in you. Who gets that? The Not the proud. The humble. Pride is a deal. It is a big deal. When the Lord first started dealing with me, in fact, I'm going to read a scripture today that when I was a teenager, the Lord revealed it to me. And uh through the years, it just has grown and grown in me. I had no idea how much pride was in me and in my family and in the way we grew up. And pride is not something that you just defeat one day and put up a flag and go, I whooped it. <laughs> pride is the nature of your flesh. And it's like selfishness. It's with you every day. And so much of what there's tragedies that happen every day. Uh, let me give an example. On my mother's side... The previous two males before me were killed when they were 21. Gunned down. And it's interesting how the devil works. My great granddad was shot six times when he was 21. My granddad was shot, I think, two or three times. Well, it's about all it takes. <laughs> when he was 21. And uh, I was the next man on my mother's side there of the family, her dad and her dad's dad. And I was the first boy. And it's interesting how the devil tries to work. When I was a little boy, my grandmother or my mother's mother would show me pictures and different ones show me pictures of my granddad in the casket. That's the only one they had. And they say, you know, you look just like him. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then they'd cry. You know, people need to think about what they're telling young, impressionable children, don't they? (laughs) Well, that happened, I don't know how many times over years. And by the time I got to be about 13, I didn't know about fear and the laws of faith. And I didn't know all that stuff. But these thoughts had come to my mind, you're next. Because, see, people like to think about, isn't that strange? He died at 21, gunshot. His dad died at 21, gunshot. And who's the next male? You. (laughs) And these thoughts would come to uh, my mind, you know. Isn't that strange? I'd lay in the bed at night. Isn't that strange? And this thought would come, you'll never make it past 21. It's a, you know, it's something on your family. It's, you know. And uh, to make a long story short, when I was 21, I was supposed to meet, I was doing some trucking, and I was supposed to meet a guy in a certain place that um, he and I was supposed to hook up and handle some loads and stuff, and uh I found his truck, and I came up, and I tapped on the door, no answer, no answer, I tapped on the door, no answer, no answer, finally I left. And came back later, realized, he said, that was you? I said, Yeah he was drugged out of his head in there and had a 44 magnum pointed at the door and almost emptied it in me. Well, thank God. About, you know, several years before that, I got a hold of faith and believe in God. And anytime that thought had come to me, I'd cast it down. I said, no, it's not going to happen to me. No, I don't care what happened to them. I'm serving God. And he keeps me. Well, see, the devil had me set up. But God thwarted it. But let me back up a little bit. You know how my granddad and dad got killed? Pride. My granddad, for instance, I should say my granddad and great granddad, a man called him a liar. And he started, the guy was standing on a porch, and he started up the steps with a pocket knife for him. And he had a revolver in his hand. And he just emptied it in him. Same kind of thing. Well see the men of my family were taught. You don't take any lip. And anybody say any kind of remark about your wife or your kid or anything. You take them down. Well see that's pride. Did you hear me? And that in that you do not have God's protection. You've left him. You're not willing to do what he. You're not being led by the spirit. You're being led by your pride. You don't talk about my wife like that. Do you hear the emphasis? See it ain't so much about your wife. My wife. My. You don't talk about my boy like that. It ain't so much about your boy. It's your pride. And people. oh, (laughs) If the Lord led us. And we had time. People choke on this. So many lies are told because of pride. So many wrong impressions are left. So many people won't repent. They won't deal with stuff because of pride. Now, I'm saying all that to just reiterate what happens to you when you're operating in pride. You are opposed of God. You are resisted by God. And how's the only way you and I are going to make it? By the grace of God, who are the only people that get that? The humble. Now keep reading. The next verse. He said. Verse 7. How does it start? Submit Submit yourselves. Therefore to God. Resist the devil. And he'll flee from you. Say it again. Submit yourselves. To God. God. Resist Resist the devil. And he'll flee from you. Now, he hasn't changed subjects. Here has he. What about when you're in pride? Are you submitting to God? No, you're submitting to the enemy. What about when your pride is pulling on you, but you refuse to yield to it and you humble yourself? Well, you're submitting to God. Can you see that? I know it's the same story all through this place. So many dumb things I did as a kid and a teenager. Why? Anybody ever heard of daring? What's wrong with you more? You chicken? (laughs) We did some dumb stuff. You too? (laughs) Thank God for the mercy of God. (laughs) Well, why would you do it? Your heart inside you saying, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. But you go on and do it anyway. Why? Pride. Pride will get you killed. Pride will cause you to be opposed of God. Young people, are young people, be smarter than a lot of folks in here were adults. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Let me tell you what people respect. Not you jumping when they say froggy and talk about pride. You being so secure in who you are and who your God is. You look at them and say, I ain't got nothing to prove to you. I'm going home. Amen. Drink a milkshake. Yeah. <laughs> <Hallelujah>. <laughs> yeah. Huh? Yeah. Now, people respect that. Because their whole deal is they're so insecure, they don't know who they are. They're trying to prove to somebody who and what they are. They don't know their self. That's Amen. Don't have an identity. Oh, but when you know who you are in God... Yeah. And, you know, you don't have to prove anything to him. Jesus already proved everything on your behalf to him. You just rest in him. And you follow your heart. And don't be a fool. Now, notice the very next verse. He said, uh, submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Is submission a good thing? Oh, it's a good thing. What's the very next verse say? Draw near unto God, and what will happen? Does all this go together? Yes, it does. Draw near unto God, and He will come near to you. Who initiates this? Man, this is so significant. The Lord got a hold of me last weekend while I was down in Houston started talking to me about this. I knew some of it, but I see it more now. What is the first phrase here? Draw near. Yeah. Who's the understood subject? You. Back up where it says submit yourselves to God. Who's the understood subject? You. You, are, you submit yourself. You draw near to him. Which comes first? Him drawing near to you. You, draw near to drawing, near to you drawing near to him. You drawing near to him. And this reveals submission. Yes. You coming to him. Now I'm going to ask a question, we're going to talk about it. Deal with it. Who comes to whom? to God. You sit over on the side of say, God, if you've got something to say to me, come tell me. No. <laughs> <laughs> now that was plain to you. But back up. How do we submit to God? Let me give you a couple of main ways. You submit to God by submitting to His Word. If His written Word tells you to do something, you do it. I've had people before ask me, Brother Keith, what about so-and-so? And And some things are very plain. Scripture tells you exactly what to do, and I quoted it to them. It was right there. Should have been obvious. They said, yeah, I'm going to pray about that. (laughs) Nothing to pray about. He said, do it. You're either going to do it or you're not. Right? So when they say I'm going to pray about it. What are they saying? I don't know if I'm going to submit to that. So submission to God's word. Is submission to God. Secondly. Submission to God's spirit. Is submission to God. God will lead you and guide you and direct you. Even in the small affairs of life. Day in and day out. By his spirit. Now his leadings are always going to be in line with this book. Because he wrote the book. But by his spirit. Now thirdly. And this is where it gets interesting. Submission to God. Includes submission to people. That he's placed in positions. Over you. Are there people over you? Yeah. And Romans tells us in the 13th chapter. In fact let me just read it to you. Out of the NIV. Romans 13 says. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except what God has established, and the authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who, who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Is it of God that there is a structure of authority? That there is rank? Yes, we talked about this. In the family of God, we are all equally loved and valued and we all have equal rights and privileges to being saved and filled with the spirit and healed and prosperous, etc. But in the kingdom of God and the army of God, we do not all have the same rank. We do not all have the same place. Phyllis and I are the pastors of the church here. We are the under shepherds of the great shepherd, but we are the heads of this church family. You understand that? And uh, that doesn't mean that we are better people than anybody in the church. It doesn't even mean that we know more scripture than anybody in the church or that we're necessarily more spiritual than anybody in the church. We ought to be spiritual. We ought to know the word, but it doesn't mean that or that we're smarter. But what the issue is, is are we called to this? Did God choose us and place us here? If he did, then he's gonna give us, already has given us, and will give us anointing and grace to lead this that nobody else will get. Amen. Yes. Not because of who we are personally, but because of the placement. Amen. Yes. Oh, can you see this? Yes, yes. I think sometimes people don't realize. They try to think, well, I think I'm just as spiritual as they are. Well, you may be, you might be more spiritual, (laughs) but that don't mean you qualified to lead because the qualifications for leading is the anointing and the grace. I know some good friends of mine overseas. A while back, uh, I was talking to the lady by telephone and uh, they were planning a trip to the exact City, I forget the name of it, where the tsunami hit. But this was a month before it happened. And uh, this woman is a very spiritual woman, very spiritual. I mean, knows the word, powerful minister, woman of God. And she actually was in ministry some time before her husband was. But they She wanted to go and the kids wanted to go to this beach. I, y'all might remember the name of it. The very one that was hit the worst. And uh, a few weeks before that, her husband says, no, I don't want us to go. And she thought, why? We want to go. We got it all planned. We got..." It. He said, no, I have a check about it and I don't want us to go. Well, she submitted to him. And... Uh, When it happened, they would have been right there, having their vacation. And the tsunami hit and wiped that place out. And she's like, wow, God saved our family through her husband's leading. She's thinking, well, she's such a spiritual woman. Yeah, but she's not the head of the family. God's gonna give the head of the family things. He's not gonna give anybody else. It doesn't mean they're more spiritual or smarter or more intelligent or superior. Are you with me now? It's like in the military when the general sends orders, he doesn't send it to the private. The private. <laughs> oh, you ought to see some of the faces I'm getting across this crowd here. You may not be able to respect everything that a person in authority says or does. But you must respect the place. Or elsewise, you disrespect God who put the people in the place. Can you understand some of this now? Are you with me on some of this? This is so important. God gives me things for this church. Not because I'm smarter than everybody in the church, just because it's my place. And I would he would give me things about the leadership of the church that nobody in this church could get. Did you hear me? Because it's for the leader. Doesn't make me superior in any way. It's just the place. Say it out loud, God's choice. God's choice. And God could put somebody else here. So in whether it's a head of a family, head of a church, head of a business, whatever it is, the headship is going to get things from God that other folk don't get. And God choosing them and putting them there is their qualification. Now go with me to Numbers 12 and let's begin to see some of the most vivid pictures from the word of how this works. Where the problems come in. Why they come in. Numbers 12. This is the passage of scripture. That I read as a teenager. That God began to put something in my spirit. That I can't tell you the value it is to me. Have to talk in tongues. Still couldn't tell it. But as a young man. A teenager. I felt in my. I began to draw closer to the Lord. And I felt that I should read the Bible. So I started in Genesis and I got to hear numbers and I was sitting in a chair reading in chapter 12. I was beginning to read the Bible through and chapter 12 says, Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married for he had married an Ethiopian woman. Now, um, Ethiopian literally does mean dark. These, uh, uh, Miriam and Aaron were dark-skinned people. And Moses too. But Ethiopians, more dark-skinned. I don't know what it had to do with, it must have been something about her being Ethiopian, because that's what it says. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Did you know a lot of people haven't made this connection But when you press into it, you'll see that racism and evolution go together. Lies. You know, it is so ignorant to judge a person because of their complexion. Isn't it? But racism, excuse me, prejudice goes far beyond skin color. People judge people just because of the church they go to. Are there people that are prejudiced against wealthy people? Aren't they? They're prejudiced against Baptist people. They're prejudiced against Catholics. They're prejudiced against this one or that one. Uh, They're prejudiced against poor people. Prejudiced against old people. Prejudiced against young people. The prejudice is just unending. But it's ignorant. But Miriam and Aaron. Now who are they to Moses? Brother and sister, see, family, you got to (laughs) watch. Just because your family or friends doesn't mean you have a right to speak up when it comes to the things of God. And they didn't see that this day. They spoke against him. Now, didn't just say they went to Moses and talked to him about it. They spoke against him. That must have meant they spoke to other people about it. And they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Has he not spoken also by us? Let's just stop right here. What are they saying? We hear from God too. We're spiritual too. Right? Have you heard any of this in modern times? And the Lord heard it. Now, the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were on the face of the earth. That's the verse the Lord spoke to my heart. I mean, it came into my spirit that day as a teenager. And the Lord talked about it. Me. I don't mean, I heard a voice, but he said, did you see that, Keith? I thought, yeah, he was meek. He said, no, he was the meekest man on the face of the earth. I thought, Yeah. To me, I didn't even think that was that great a thing then. To me, meek meant weak. You know, I wasn't spending my days and nights thinking about how I could become more meek. <laughs> I want to be strong. <laughs> the meekest are the strongest. Strongest. And uh, he said, did you also realize that he was the most used man of me in his generation? I thought, uh-huh. And I made the connection that day. I thought, the most humble is the most used of God. Well, that makes sense when you look at our text. Who gets the grace? The humble get the grace. Well, the more grace you got, the more you're going to be able to do. Right? The more used of God you're going to be. And I begin a quest that day to learn what it is to be meek and humble. And what I learned for the next several years was what it wasn't. <laughs> and I'm still learning that. It's not what a lot of people think it is. There's a lot of phony humility around. Fake stuff. But now, Moses, verse 4, The Lord spoke suddenly to Moses and to Aaron and Miriam, and he said, Come out you three, to the tabernacle of the congregation. That sounds like meet me out behind the woodshed. (laughs) That's only much worse. And they three came out. And the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forth. And he said, now listen, guys. I know y'all have the spirit. And I know y'all know me. And I want y'all to work together Y'all need to work together on this and sit down and everybody share their opinion and just talk and work till you get to. Because you all have the Spirit and you all know me. <laughs> now, what did he say? He was mad. God was upset. And he said, uh, Listen to my words. If there's a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known to him in a vision. I'll speak to him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so. He's faithful in all my house. With him I'll speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches. And the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. He will see my form. Wherefore then, in other words, why were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Does God change? Is he still like this? Oh, he is. What's he saying? Why did he go through that, That prior things he said? What's he saying? I picked him. I talked to him. He's in my presence. Right? Right? Why were you not afraid? Well, why should they be afraid? Well, because of what's happening right now. (laughs) Right? (laughs) They thought they had something to say about Moses' choice of wife. And here they are face to face with God. You know they didn't think this was what was going to happen. They wouldn't have done it. Friends, this is so, so serious. People just say all kind of stuff about people and they don't have any caution about any consequences. The anger of the Lord was kindled against them and he departed. And you know the story. When he left, his protection left, his presence left, and boy, destruction came in. And leprosy came on Miriam and there were problems. And it was only through Moses' intercession for that she was restored. Do you suppose they thought twice for they had stuff to say in the future? Go with me to the book of Acts real quickly. Hold your place there in Numbers. We're not through with that. Go to the book of Acts. Acts toward the end of the book here. 23, I'm going to say it again. You may not be able to respect or appreciate everything a person in a place of authority says or does or is, but you must respect what? The place, the place. Did you notice there was no discussion about Moses' wife? They thought that was the issue. We don't hear whether God liked the choice of wife or whether it was his idea. We didn't hear anything about it. Right? Why? Because when they started speaking against him, all that's out the window. See, people think these little things are the issues and they're not. It's heart. And it's respect for God. Notice this. In Acts 23, Paul has been taken into custody here. And verse 1, he stood up and he said, Men and brethren, I've lived in all good conscience before God till this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded them that stood by to smite him on the mouth. And he said, God's going to smite you, you whitewashed wall. You sit there and judge me after the law and command me to be smitten contrary to the law. You ever been slapped real hard? You ever been hit real hard? I don't care how spiritual you think you are. <laughs> You're going to have some feelings. I've been hit hard before. And I'm telling you, man, you know, your eyes water up. You can't see. It goes all over you. And you've got one main thought. <laughs> Anybody know what that is? <laughs> that's hitting them back harder. That's your flesh. And so you got these big guards there. And uh, Paul. all he does is get something and says, I've lived in the clear conscience before God till this day. Kawham! <laughs> and he, you know, his eyes are watered. They hit him hard and in the face. And he looked up and he goes, God's going to hit you, (laughs) you whitewashed wall, sitting up there. Because this is against the law. This is against the word. Notice what they said next. They that stood by, they said, do you revile God's high priest? You talk like that to the high priest? And what did he say? Huh? He said, yeah, I'll talk to him any way I see fit. He ain't spiritual enough to be in that job. Anybody act like that, doesn't qualify, I'm not submitting to him. We live in a society where in churches people have completely pushed aside God's word on submission by explaining that people have to qualify to my standards before I submit. And because of that, it's an open door for the enemy because he has a continual access to try to show you this or show you that some reason why you don't have to submit. Do you hear this now? Notice what Paul said. What did he say? He said, I wis not. That means I did not know brothers, that he was the high priest. He didn't recognize him for some reason. He didn't know that's who it was because he says, it is written, you shall not speak evil of the ruler of your people. Basically, he apologized while he's standing there with his nose and mouth bleeding. Why? Can you respect what this man just did? No, it's against the word. Well, why would you apologize? Because the man is in a place God has ordained. Well, he don't deserve it. Well, God's big enough to get him out. And it's not for you to say yay or nay about it. This doesn't just apply to a few places all up and down. In the home, in the school, on the job, at church, in government. Right? We may not be able to appreciate everything that a civil leader or authority says or does. But we must respect the place. And show honor to the place. Paul apologized. He said, I didn't know. Because it is written, you do not speak evil of the ruler of your people. How many remember, we talked about Saul and David a week or so ago. Saul is a demon possessed man. He's tried to kill David on more than one occasion. And David has it within his power. You remember that they were out there by themselves, And he could kill him. He had the opportunity. He said oh no. 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 My hand will not be on God's anointed. Talking about a demon possessed man. Yeah but God had called him. God chose the man. Right? And so he said I'm not going to touch him. I don't care what he's doing. Because God picked him. And. God can take him out, and He did. wasn't long after that. God pulled him, right? But you don't want your hand to be against it. How many remember the scripture says more than once, "Touch not my anointed"? Yeah. Serious. Go back to Numbers. Let's look at this. They got in trouble, and what you will see from here. 13, 14, 15, 16 in this book. The next chapters. You see where this whole generation missed God's plan for their life. This is serious. The decisions were made. The words were said. The responses happened recorded in these next 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. You know, they sent the spies into the land. You remember that? They came back and they gave their reports. And before you read these next few chapters, God has spoken that even though Hebrews says the works were finished from the foundation of the world, that they should go in. These people were supposed to go in. He said, even though it was finished and it was ordained, he said, you are not going in. You're going to die out here in this desert. Just like you said you would. They missed God's entire plan for their life. Do you know why? The psalmist sums it up by saying they rebelled against the commandment of God. They rebelled against God. The Lord said this to me some years ago. I wrote it down. Rebellion and unteachableness works. What's the right way to say it? It results in situations that are unrecoverable. Now, there are few things that you could say about that with God that it can't be fixed. Because with him, his mercy endures forever. And all things are possible to him that believes. Let me say it again, though: rebellion and unteachableness, works, situations, and results—I should say—can result in situations that are unrecoverable. Proverbs 29:1 uses another phrase: "No remedy, no remedy." He that is often reproved and hardens his heart, the Bible said it will be destroyed. And that without remedy, there's no way to remedy it. Let's talk about this, the unpardonable sin. This is a situation with no remedy. But most people don't even know what it is and how it works. Hebrews talks about it. It says if an individual who has been enlightened and they've tasted of the heavenly gift and the powers of the world to come, if they fall away, it said it is impossible. Do you hear that phrase? It is impossible to renew them again to repentance. Let's just stop right here. Why won't they be forgiven? They won't repent. Did you hear this now? That is the unrecoverable condition. You got people in mental institutions beat their head against the wall and say, I've committed the unpardonable sin. I've committed the unpardonable sin. I can't be saved. I can't be saved real simple all you got to do is somebody that wants to talk about that you ask them do you want to be right with god are you willing to submit to his will and plan for your life and if they say oh yes more than anything in the world then there's no way they've committed that sin did you hear me a person who's done this they don't want to hear you they don't want to talk to you they don't want to hear about god you can't get them to repent So they won't be forgiven. Can you see this? Well on lesser. If that's true concerning the most important thing. It's true concerning all the lesser things under it. Refusing to repent. Being unteachable. Being rebellious. Can result in situations that can't be fixed. Unrecoverable. Now I know this is sober this morning. But it ought to be. This is serious business. How can you prevent from getting in that situation? Be teachable. Be correctable. Be willing to humble yourself. Right? Be willing to submit. Now look in. Uh, numbers. You're there in 12. Let's go on over. Uh. Numbers, the 16th chapter, number 16. Now, obviously, Miriam and Aaron repented. They were recovered, weren't they? Even though they missed it grievously, they were recovered. But this next situation, these people did not recover. In the 16th chapter. Korah, the son of Izhar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, and Dathan, and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and Om, the sons of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men, and they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes in the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown, and they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron, and they said to them, you take too much on you. Seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore then lift you up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. Does that sound familiar? Do you hear the voice of rebellion? It doesn't sound like what a lot of people think it does. It's talking about we all have the Holy Ghost. We all know God. We know scripture too. God uses us too. Do you hear that? And when Moses heard it. What did he do? We just got through reading. He was a very humble man. He didn't call himself. To this place. Did he? This wasn't his idea. He didn't pick himself. And to do this job. Who picked him? But see, that's what they're saying. They said, you take too much on you. They're saying, you are taking this place of leadership and being over us on yourself. Who do you think you are? Who put you in charge? Well, what's the answer to that? God did. But see, because God is not real to people, then they don't respect that. That's not real to them that God actually put somebody in a place. It ought to be obvious. When you see the blessings of God. And you see the miracles of God. No man or woman can just create that. And make that happen. God did it. Right? He said. Why do you lift yourselves up above the congregation of the Lord? Now notice who did this. Korah. Dathan. Abiram. Abiram. On. These were people in the ministry. In the ministry of helps, they were in the Levites and they were involved in the music. And then they took 250 people that hooked up with them. And these people were what? In verse 2? They were famous in the congregation. People who were known. So the devil's not going to go after somebody that got saved two weeks ago that nobody knows. He wants to use people who are respected, who are known, people in position. Can you see this? Can you see what the devil's trying to do? He's trying to split the first church in the wilderness. The Bible calls it a church in the wilderness. He's trying to split it. And boy, he's off to a good start. He's got all these leaders, I mean, 250 plus men of stature, men of place. And they all saddle up before Moses and Aaron and they said, who do you think you are? All the congregation are holy. We all know God. We can be led. We all know the scriptures. You take too much on yourself. Moses fell on his face because he knew they're in trouble. They are in serious trouble and don't have enough sense to even know it. He fell on his face. And then he spoke to Korah and to all his company. And he said, tomorrow, even tomorrow, the Lord will show who are his and who is holy. And will cause him to come near to him, even him whom he has, what? Whom he has chosen, he'll call him to come near to him. So this is what you do. You take censers, Korah and all his company, and put fire therein, and put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow, and it'll be that the man whom the Lord does choose, he'll be holy. You take too much on you. That's what they accused him of. You take too much on yourself, you sons of Levi. These are Levites, the most prominent people in the helps ministry. Can you see this? And Moses said to Korah, here I pray you, you sons of Levi, seemeth it but a small thing to you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself, to do the service of the tabernacle of the Lord and to stand before the congregation to minister to him. And he's brought you near to him and all your brethren, the sons of Levi, and you seek the priesthood also. He said, God's picked you and your families. He's given you work in the ministry. He's using you. And that's not enough for you. You want the leadership. Listen, friend, unthankfulness is the breeding ground of rebellion. Unthankfulness. I should have this. They should do this. They should let me do this or the other or why don't I have this? Notice. Notice. He said, for this cause, both you and all your company are gathered together against the Lord. For what cause? They seek the priesthood. They want the leadership. People start talking and saying, well, you know, um, I just don't think they're qualified to lead anymore. I don't think, you know, I don't think the anointings on them. And what they're not saying is the next part. Well, who would be? Well, I'm ready. (laughs) If y'all want me to. This is the very nature of what happened in Satan. Isn't it? It is his nature when he rebelled against God and was able to influence many of the other angels, wasn't he? And rebel against God. And man, God crushed that thing. He hates it. Oh, he hates rebellion. How many remember the scripture said rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft you remember that and stubbornness is like idolatry and you'll even hear people bragging about being stubborn yeah i guess i'm stubborn but the lord knows yeah the lord hates it now notice <laughs> but we're having fun today aren't we <laughs> and so moses sent verse 12 now get this Moses sent to call Dathan and Abiram the sons of Eliab. Let's just stop right here. Why do you think he called them? Now he's already talked to them. He's calling these three men personally. He sent word. He said, y'all come see me. Why do you think he did that? This man Has lived in the glory of God for 40 days and nights. He talks to God face to face every day. He knows that they better not come out there tomorrow. Prancing with those censors. Intruding into a place they're not called to. He knows how much trouble they're in. They don't. He's a meek man. What does he want? He wants them to come and let's talk and let's avert this. Right? He said, y'all come see me. And what'd they say? Well, this is one of the most clear phrases of rebellion right here. What? We won't come. Oh, man. Their fate was sealed. They are now in an unrecoverable situation. They are an unfixable situation situation not because of god because of them i know i hadn't been in the ministry helping brother hagan for a year or two and i begin to see this stuff it is all over the place this rebellion friends of mine that i went to school with two years after school two years when we all got there dumb as a post Anybody know what I mean by that? Just, you talk about ignorant. And we sat at Brother Hagin's feet and the people that God had raised up under him and just every day we're in awe. We're thinking, glory to God. We're learning so much. We're learning about praying and being led and faith. And two years, to say two years. Yes. Two years after we're out of school, into the ministry, some of the, my own friends, some people that I went to school with, they said, well... No, no, Brother Hagen don't know about this. We're out beyond him now. On this. On prayer. This was prayer. I thought, huh? <laughs> in two years. He'd been in the ministry for nearly 60. In two years... You learned what little you know under him and from him. And now you have gone off and passed him so far that he you can't relate to him anymore. And he can't relate to you in 24 months. Now that's a marvel. (laughs) And there was some stuff, I'll be honest with you, there was some stuff during those days I thought was right. And I heard him get up and teach on it and I thought, oh, he doesn't believe that. And I thought I had scripture for it too. But thank God I had enough sense to realize I'm in the second grade. (laughs) There's so much I don't know. I'm just going to back off of this thing. And if it's right and it's God, I'll see it. And if it's wrong, but he's been there. He's heard this. He's seen this come and go. So I backed off and oh, thank God. Thank. God, just within another four or five years, several of the people I knew, they lost their ministries, they messed up, they, and the stuff they were so gung-ho about, it wasn't God, it was flesh. Are you listening now? How many understand children? They get to a certain age, they think they know something. They think they know more than their parents. And the problem is, they're so ignorant, they don't know what they don't know. Isn't it true? You've been there. I've been there. And you grow a few years and your parents have learned so much. No. No. A few years later, Brother Hagin called a meeting, several ministers. He called to come in to talk about some things. And I was one of them and several other people. And there were some people that didn't come. Now, let's just read this right here. What did it say? He called for them. What did he say? He sent and called for him. This is God's choice. His anointed. He says, guys, y'all come see me. And they said, no, we ain't coming. I don't know if you see that in your spirit, how serious that is. I'm not trying to be dramatic. This just is this serious. This resulted in an unrecoverable situation. What are they trying to say? I don't have to listen to you. Who put you in charge? What's the answer to that? God, God put him in charge. And so on this situation, I tried to contact some folks. I said, hey, Brother Hagin called you to come. Yeah, but I ain't coming. What? He ain't right. I said, even if he wasn't, he's your father in the faith. You grew up under him. Come and show you respect. You don't have to say a word. You don't have to say, I'm going to do this, I ain't going to do that. Just come and show you respect. I ain't coming. That's how you get in an unrecoverable condition. Are y'all with me now? You know what happened next? They said, we will not come up. Verse 12. We will not. That's strong, isn't it? We are not coming. Is it a small thing that you brought us up out of the land that flows with milk and honey? To kill us in the wilderness? Except you're going to make yourself a prince over us. He didn't make himself their leader. God made him their leader. Moreover, you have not brought us to the land that flows with milk and honey. And wonder why. (laughs) Or given us inheritance of fields and vineyards. Will you put out the eyes of these men? We will not come up. They say it again. We will not. Oh, friend, do you hear the spirit of rebellion? No. I'm not coming. Now friend, parents, listen to me. You don't want your kids winding up like this. So when they are eight and they are nine, you say, come in here, boy. And they say, no. Oh, you got a problem. And I mean, the world stops till this gets fixed. Why? Oh, they're just teenagers just going through that phase. No, no, it's not okay. No, they don't have to. No. And what you don't say, well, I don't care. You know, ain't that big. We're more informal. You're missing the point. They are doing it to God. He puts you in that position over them. And he takes it as personal rebellion against himself. How they treat you. Why do you think the scripture said? That if you'll honor your parents and if you'll obey them. Why? It will go well with you. You'll live long. On the face of the earth. Why? Why? Because you're going to have grace. God's going to be for you, not against you. They said, you have not done this for us. You know, I've heard people tell me, you know, our pastors, they just haven't led us into the depth of the spirit like we believe. And we just don't have the move of the spirit. And we just don't have this. Have you ever wondered if it's got something to do with the people too? Is it really just all completely up to... Well, I guess the pastor could just come have church by himself. You hear that kind of stuff. You ain't brought us in, they said. You have not brought us into the milk and honey. And you haven't brought us into the inheritance. And what you gonna do? You gonna put out our eyes? We will not come up. And Moses was very wroth. Just because you're humble, don't mean you can't get mad. (laughs) That's right. Man, these guys, they are off, aren't they? Yes. He got mad. And he told the Lord. He said, don't respect their offering. What does it mean? When they come before you tomorrow with these censors. He said, I have not taken one donkey from them. I have not hurt a one of them. What do you mean? He's laid his life down. Hey, what does he do every day? I mean, you read other scriptures where he was standing up from daylight till dark, taking people one at a time and helping solve their dispute. He's killing himself. God had to tell him, you can't do that. Appoint some people, get some help. This is the kind of man he is. And they're blind to it. Don't see what they got. And Moses said to Korah, okay. You and your company, you come before the Lord, you and they and Aaron tomorrow and take every man his censer, put incense on him, bring it before the Lord, you and the 250 censers, you and Aaron and his censer. And they took every man his censer and they put fire on it. And they laid sense on it and they stood in the door of the tabernacle of the congregation with Moses and Aaron. And Korah gathered all the congregation against them until the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the congregation. How many know what it's time to do? It is time to pitch that little censer and get on your face. And they didn't have enough sense to see it. The glory of God is burning like a fire out there. And God is mad. God Is mad. How'd they get so blind? How'd they get so ignorant? Don't try to put yourself in Moses and Aaron's place. Try to put yourself in Korah's place. You need to. Because unless you understand how they got there, you're not safe. Try to put yourself in their place. How'd they get there? They're in the ministry, they're used of God, they're anointed. And they're standing out there. They know they're not called. They know they're not supposed to enter into the holy place. They know only the certain ones are supposed to offer the incense. And there are 250 of them. Are standing out there. In pride. And rebellion. We're just as good as you are Moses. We can hear from God just as good as you. It's not about. Being a better person. It's about who. God picked. To do something. Oh, can you see this? And verse 20, the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron. He said, separate yourselves from amongst this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. God is through talking. He said, you need to back up, boys. And they fell on their faces. They said, God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, will one man sin and will you be wroth with all the congregation? See, they love these people, even now. They love them. They're trying to save them. And the Lord spoke to Moses. He said, you tell the congregation then, they better get up from about the tabernacle of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. They better get their stuff out away from them. And Moses rose up, and he went to Dathan and Abiram, and the elders of Israel followed him, and he spoke to them. He said, Depart, everybody, from the tents of these wicked men. Don't touch anything of theirs, lest you be consumed in all their sins. So they got up from the tabernacle of Korah, Dathan and Abiram on every side, and Dathan and Abiram came out and stood in the door of their tents, and their wives, and their sons, and their little children. So still don't see it. When everybody moves away from you... <laughs> Everybody gathers their stuff and looks at you and goes, bye, and and runs. (laughs) And what do they do? Standing out there in the door of the tent. We know God too. Verse 28, Moses said, by this you will know that the Lord has sent me. To do all these works. Not Korah, not Dathan, not Abiram. I did not do them of my own mind. I didn't call myself. I didn't choose myself. And this is how you're going to know it. They should have known it already. All the miracles in Egypt? All the signs and wonders? If these men die, the common death of all men, or if they be visited after the visitation of all men, then the Lord didn't send me. But if the Lord makes a new thing, and the earth opens her mouth, and swallows them up, and all that pertains to them, and they go down alive to the pit, then you will understand that these men have provoked the Lord. And it came to pass as he made an end of speaking all, just as soon as he got through saying it, the ground clave asunder that was under them. The ground caved in up under them. And the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up and their houses and all the men that had pertained to Korah and all their goods, they and all that pertained to them, they went down alive into the pit and the earth closed upon them and they perished from among the congregation. And all Israel that round about them fled at the cry of them. And they said, Lest the earth swallow us up too. Well, he told them to get away. Verse 35, and there came out a fire from the Lord and consumed the 250 men that offered incense. I mean, there was a flash and then there were ashes. And basically, God said, that's what I think about rebellion. And when I say I chose somebody, I chose them. Man, this is serious. Has God changed? He hasn't changed. Our covenant with him has changed. He hasn't changed. You'd think this would be the end of this. But verse 41, notice this. On the morrow, the very next morning, all the congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. they said, you have killed the people of the Lord. <laughs> like they made the ground. <laughs> Open up. Do you see how ignorant people are? (sighs) And without reading and taking the time. take You read it sometime if you're not familiar with it. very next chapter. The Lord said you tell Aaron and the leaders of the tribes to bring me a rod. And lay it up before me. In the holy place. And I'm going to show who I have picked. Isn't that the big issue through this whole thing? Who did I pick? I told you. Overnight, Aaron's rod sprouted little branches and flowered and buds and almonds with no top and no bottom, just a stick. And so the next morning they came out and they said, this is so and so stick, and this is so and so stick, and this is so and so sticks, and this is so and so sticks, and this is Aaron's stick, and everybody went, oh. And Moses said, Do you see any difference between this stick and these other sticks? <laughs> What's he saying? God picked Aaron. So nobody else gets to do this. Aaron is who God picked. And that's why we should submit. Not because somebody's a better person or superior, smart, or any other reason. It's about respecting God's choice and His placement. Can you say amen? amen? Stand on your feet if you would, please. Oh, thank you, Lord thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you Lord let's lift our hands begin to praise God Lord we worship you Lord we worship you we worship you oh we worship you we worship you we worship you we worship you worship you we worship you Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Yes. Somebody say, well, that's Old Testament, Brother Keith. That's Old Testament. So? How about New Testament? Ananias and Sapphira. Sapphira. Look Peter in the face and lie to him and fall dead on the spot. That's new covenant. Why? He said, You lied to the Holy Ghost when you lied to me. See, should they have been afraid to lie to the man of God? But they weren't. I believe God is telling us all these things so we can be protected so we can be spared do you believe that close your eyes begin to lift up your hearts I'm going to lead you in a prayer say it out loud Father God I worship you I willingly submit myself to you to you your will your plan your ways your choices whatever you say whatever you do I willingly submit myself to you. Show me anyone, any situation, any structure, and everyone that you have ordained, that you have placed, that you have chosen. I will respect it. I will honor it. I will submit to it. As it is fit. In you. Hallelujah. Come on just lift your hands and praise him some more. Father we worship you. This morning let your presence be in this place manifest. Lord our heart is to be a submissive church to you. To not be rebellious and stubborn and hard headed and hard hearted. But that this whole church. This whole family would show proper respect, proper honor, to you. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today, free of charge.